so good to be here today with you, Passionate Life Church. Um, Pastors Don and Andrew, I just can't tell you, they were such a godsend for us. Have you ever had people come into your life at just the right time? I mean, they were those people, and I don't know if you know how amazing they are. I, yeah, well, can we honor them today? Can we honor them? I have so much respect for them. We had no idea what starting a church, uh, planting a church was like until we got into it, and we're still figuring it out, and they have gone before us, and they pray over us, and sometimes we call them, and we're like, we don't know what we're doing. Are we ever going to make it? And they're like, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through, and I just have to believe that it's because of you right here. It's because of you and your families, and the stories yet to be told, and the victory that is coming is why they stayed with it. It is because life change and hope and what they believe that they stayed through the hard times when they may have wanted to quit, and they're speaking that back into us, and we are so thankful. Thank you guys so much. It's a privilege to be here today with you guys. They love you guys. I hope you know that. They love you. And so, hey, it's the week of Thanksgiving, right? And all over the world, there's probably people giving messages that are beautiful, flowery, just feel amazing messages that are awesome about thankfulness. And we're kind of going to do that today. I feel, I we're kind of going to do that. I don't know if you know who the prophet Jeremiah is, but I feel like sometimes the female version of the prophet Jeremiah. When I pray and I'm like, God, give me a word, often it's not flowery. It doesn't feel good at first. But it's those kind of messages that tear you up a little bit, but they're good. They're good because of what they produce. And so today we're going to be talking about thankfulness, kind of. We're going to be talking about rethinking gratitude and the real heart behind gratitude. So when I was 19 years old, I found myself, I was almost 19, a month away. I found myself on a beach. I was um, playing softball at a university, a Christian university, and we had a a condo rented out on Pensacola Beach. And so one day, blue skies, beautiful sandy beach, I look over and I see this beautiful hunk of a man walking towards me. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa, tractor beam, (laughs) pulled me right in, right? And our eyes locked, I'm not kidding you, our eyes locked and He's him and his friend, whoever he was, started walking over towards me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, he's looking at me too. Our eyes locked. And it was like a movie scene. It was a moment. So they start coming over and I'm getting butterflies. I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy's coming over here. Something is happening. You know, it's, it's a moment. And he, he starts sharing his heart for the Lord. And I'm like, oh, praise Jesus. He's handsome. It's a beach, right? So he doesn't have a shirt on. So I'm like, eyes up, eyes up, right? Like he's a chiseled man that loves Jesus. I'm done for, right? So that happened to be the day that I met my future husband. Now he didn't know he was going to, I knew. I'm like, that is my husband. He He took a while, right? And he likes to say, he likes to say to people, yeah, they say, how did you meet? He says, well, we met on spring break on the beach. I'm like, hang on, time out, time out, time out. Technically, it was spring break, and technically we might like that, but you know that's a different picture. It was not like that at all. It was a a beautiful, just God-ordained moment. So that's where I was at 19, right? No bills, 
blue skies, googly eyes. It was like the world was right. And some of you more seasoned folk know that, and me now, that's not all of life, right? I was in a, a bubble of no worries, really. Everything was going fine. But that's not how life stays forever, is it? There are seasons and times in life where life is good. You know, I was like, God is good. Life is good. This is amazing. But that's not all of life. There are times where they say the first year of marriage is your hardest. Sometimes people say that. For, for us, it was like year four, and there was a couple other little people involved, and they didn't sleep, and I was cleaning up all the time, and then husband wasn't so chiselly. He's great, but he wasn't so chiselly anymore. And then <laughs> he looks good. He looks good. And then, and then I'm like sleeping through the night, and it's like, what have you ever done, right? And so the, the picture-perfect bubble isn't so picture-perfect anymore. And I'm not sure where your life has taken you, but there are different seasons where maybe everything's great and then all of a sudden it's one thing after the next, after the next, and it may be a series of events that are connected or maybe it's not, but real life hits. And real life has a way of chipping away and jadiness over time, doesn't it? Jading away that picture-perfect life that we had planned. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's heavy. Sometimes it's sudden loss, right? Unexpected trial. And before we know it, we can give in to anxiety and despair and depression. And, and the enemy wants to distort our reality. He wants to threaten to steal the hope of our future. And he begins, if we're not careful, our mind can begin to be reframed about our perspective, about life and God. Because a lot of times it's not in those moments, right, where things are hard, where our natural response is to say, thank you, God, so much for this unexpected trial. Thank you, God, so much for this hard time. Thank you so much for all of these things that I wasn't expecting. And we can hyper-focus on our circumstances and lose sight of everything else. And so we need today to rethink the heart of gratitude it's in the difficult times. Guys, it's in the difficult times that the sincerity and the purity of the heart of gratitude is tested. So I read something as I was praying for God to give me a word specifically for, for me. Starts with me, right? For me and then for this place. And it was like a spiritual smack in the face. Do you guys ever get those? I, I honestly, I like them. I know, call me crazy, but I want to be, guys, can I just tell you, I'm imperfect, but I want to be the absolute best Christ follower, world changer, make an impact in my family in this world that I can be. And so I know that sometimes that means God needs to shake me up a little bit. God needs to say, hey, Nicole, you're missing something. So for me to be able to hear these hard things, I actually say, God, I receive them. I want to hear them. And so I'm going to give that to you today. Are you okay with that? All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Job chapter 1? And I know, I know, as soon as you heard Job, some of you who have grown up in church, and I hope that some of you hear this for the very first time. But some of you, you're already playing it out in your mind, aren't you? I'm going to ask you, lean in. Lean in right now like you've never heard it before because God gave me a fresh word for this and I believe he has a fresh word for you. So we're going we're gonna to do this a little bit of paraphrasing, okay? I want you to go back. We're going to stick to the integrity 
of the story, but I want you on your own to go back and study it because we're going we're gonna to tweak a few things and make it a little more modern day, all right? So, Job chapter 1. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He was a good Christian man. He honored God. He had a bunch of kids. Read on there. He had a bunch of kids. And then this part, he had like sheep and camels and donkeys and all that. We don't really relate to that as much. So let's just say, let's just say, he had, he was very rich, so he had a bunch of Airbnbs, okay? He had a bunch of Airbnb properties. And then he had, let's just say, maybe uh, some really good uh, chain of restaurants, all right? So this is a businessman and a family man. He's got a bunch of kids, he's wealthy, and it says in verse 3, he was the greatest man among all the people in, this, in the east. So we have this man, Job. He has, God has blessed him. He's kind of in this bubble. He's, he's got kids, he's got a family, he's doing well, he's wealthy. So we have this going on on earth. And then, like we often forget, zoom out a little in the next passage, and we have what's going on up in heaven, as there always is, and we often forget. So up in heaven, we see a scene, and I'm just going to paraphrase for you. We have God, and he's called his angels together, and Satan comes and tries to crash the scene, and he comes up to God, and God starts bragging on Job. He's like, Satan, have you seen this man? There is no one like him on earth. He is a God-fearing man. He, he was just bragging on him. He's an amazing. Have you seen him? And Satan says, well, sure he is. You put, haven't you put a hedge of protection around him? Haven't you put him in a bubble where everything's good? Haven't he has kids and he's, his life is good and, and he's rich and he's wealthy? Of course he's praising you, God. Of course his life is good. He said, but God, if you would let me mess his life up a little bit, if you would let me test him a little bit, I wonder what kind of Christian he would be then. Because we know the real test comes not when things are good, but when it gets a little messy. So uh, I don't know why. I don't know why God says yes. I don't know why. And sometimes I think somebody needs to hear this today. If we get so caught up on trying to figure out the things that are happening up in heaven that we don't understand, it will mess us up. Sometimes on this side of eternity, we will not understand until we get there. Sometimes we just have to let it go. So God says yes. So this wealthy, greatly loved, highly esteemed man has no idea what's about to happen. He is going about his life, praising the Lord, and he is about to have a one-day moment. One day, where some of you have had those, where his life will never, ever be the same. I don't know if you've heard the saying, when it rains, it pours. Anybody? You hear the saying, when it rains and pours, maybe you've lived a little and you have felt that, where you are like, you can't catch a break. You're like, and we won't go into it all, but some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just thing after thing after thing, the car breaks down and things are going fine, but then, you know, the kids get in trouble and then maybe you lose a job, maybe it's more serious, like a diagnosis, and you are just like, I can't catch a break. What is happening? That's what's about to happen to Job, but a thousand times worse. So we just picture Job one day going about his life, and he gets, let's say he gets a, a call from his business manager at the Airbnb, right? And, and she is freaking out. She's freaking out, and he's like, whoa, 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 calm down. What's happening? And she's like, Job, Job, I don't know how to tell you this. 
All, it was like all of your Airbnbs at the same time, there was this major plot. They ransacked them and they burned them down. All of your businesses, gone like that. And he's stunned. He's like, is, is this a joke? Is this a joke? And, and he looks at his phone and, and his operations manager for his restaurants are calling in. And he's like, hang on, hang on a second. Let me, he picks it up. He's like, you're not going to believe what happened. And, and he gets interrupted by this guy. He's frantic. And he's like, Job, Job, I don't know how to tell you this, but all of your restaurants were delivered. Uh, the food that was in them had like salmonella and all these people, hundreds of people got sick and they're suing you. You are going to have to close down all of your businesses. And he's like, this, this can't be real. This, this has got to be a joke. But before he can answer, there's a knock on the door. And he goes to open the door and he's like, hang on a second. And there's a deep knowing as he looks and he sees a police officer there. And he's like, hey, hang, hang on, I got to call you back. And he's like, do you not hear me? He's like, hang on, I'll call you back. Police officer takes off his hat, says, are you Job? And he says, yes, I am. He said, I don't know how to tell you this, but all of your kids were at the oldest brother's house. And we don't know exactly what happened, but the roof collapsed in on them. And all of them have been killed at once. Now, I know that we sometimes hear Bible stories and we forget this is not, this is not an analogy Jesus was giving. This was a historical recollection of a real man's life. There was a man named Job. The Bible is 100% true. He went through this. So this man lost everything. He couldn't catch his breath before the next thing, you go read it on your own. The next thing, he, he couldn't even catch his breath and he was told tragic news after tragic news. And we can recover from, you know, you lose everything. Some of you have been there and you've lost everything. But all of my kids at once, what do you do? What do you do? Look at Job chapter 1 and verse 20. We're going to see his response. It says, at this, Job got up, he tore his robe, that is the ultimate sign of despair and sorrow, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, and then he fell to the ground in worship. He fell to the ground in worship. He said, naked I came from my mother's room, and naked I will depart. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. When I read this, I wept. I literally wept a few weeks ago, and I just repented. And I said, God, I am a sinful woman. I am so sorry. I do not understand how this mentality is possible I do not understand that at the deepest, most sorrowful, broken news, he responds in worship. I'm missing something. Teach me, Lord. I'm missing something. Because, see, I had been living not anywhere near what Job had been living. But maybe some of you can relate. I had been living a one-day moment for about the last year. I had been living a, after this one day. I was shocked. Things had happened that I never, I had been living some loss, some disappointment, some sorrow, and I had been living there, and my attitude, can I just repent before you, can I just be honest? My attitude was not that of Job's, and yet I had not suffered anywhere near he had, and so I said, God, how is this possible? 
A year ago this month, I was about to walk on stage at a church we were at in Texas and, and de- deliver a message. It was about Paul and Silas. Some of you may have n- known this. And they had just been beaten for their faith. They were bleeding and they were put in the stocks and their response was to praise the Lord. And it's a powerful story. Their praise set other people free, as ours will too. But I was about to have to go out to deliver this message, Purpose on the Pain, Purpose in the Pain, and someone came back in the green room and told us some tragic news. There was a family, we had a large church, there was a family in our church, and um, you can go ahead and put the picture up on screen. There was a young couple, and the night before, the, the Bylers, they had just had a dream wedding. They had just danced under the stars, danced with, she danced with her dad, he danced with her mom. It was beautiful, just like this unbelievable wedding. And you may have heard about this on the news. They got into the helicopter, they said goodbye, and something went tragically wrong. And they crashed and they died. And their family attended our church. It was national news. It was crazy. They, that week, my, um, one of my dear friends and I got asked to sing at their funeral. And as I stood up on stage, I will never forget this. And the two bodies were here and the parents, they requested that we lead their families in worship. Hundreds of people there. And I saw parents, the mom and the dad of each, each child, a grown child, they put their hands on the child and then one hand in the air. And they worshiped. They worshiped the Lord. And it's one thing to hear about in scripture and it's another thing to see this kind of testimony lived out in the middle of the most heart-wrenching time. And I was moved. I was moved. And I have to tell you guys, I don't understand this fully, and I don't have all of the answers. I don't have the secret formula for this, but I do believe that this is a spiritual illness that is common in our church. The, the, the true heart of gratitude needs to be talked about. Many of us in the church today, we need to take an honest look at, we need a good heart check on why we praise and when we praise. You hear me? We need to take a good look at why we praise and when we praise. If our worship, if our life lived for God is only during the good times, if it is all about our circumstances, do you know that we are not worshiping God? We are worshiping our circumstances. If our life and our commitment and our praise to God is only when things are good, we're not worshiping God. We are worshiping our circumstances. Guys, life is not blue skies and blue googly eyes. It's not all going to be in a bubble. And so as I was praying about this and wrestling with this, I admit I don't have all the answers, but you know what? I am hopefully opening our eyes to something that God's word and the Holy Spirit in us, he can empower us if we receive this to walk it out. Do you believe that? He can empower us of how this can play out in your life. There are some obstacles that keep us from gratitude, though. There are some obstacles. One, comparison. Um, I have learned this. I know we, you probably have heard this before. Anybody heard that? Comparison kills contentment. We have heard this, but I'll tell you what, I have had to learn this over and over and over again this last year of my life. If I am constantly comparing what used to be, what they have, 
I will never, ever appreciate what I do have. I cannot live in gratitude and contentment and thankfulness to the Lord if I, and I cannot appreciate what is if I'm looking to what isn't. You and I can't. If I don't let go of what was, I can't appreciate what is. And that leads to the second thing, entitlement and unmet expectation. Entitlement and unmet expectation. And I know everybody says, oh, those, those millennials, you know, and that's true. I do believe that millennials are pretty entitled. But I also believe <laughs> that it is a thread that flows within each one of us. Entitlement and unmet expectation. How do you know? If you hear yourself saying this, God, I thought this. God, why this? I did this, so why is this the result? That kind of shows you there's a heart of, I am owed this. We may not say that to God, but we feel it when we rest in disappointment. When we rest in, I should have had this. Why isn't my life like this? Why did that happen? You know, sometimes, I've been here, we step out in obedience to God because God asks us to do something, and we follow and we say, okay, I'm going to do this. But you know what? You and I, we don't realize it, but we play out a scenario in our head. I'm going to do this, then you're going to do this. God did not promise us that. He says, obey and let me take care of the rest. But often I get discouraged and, and, and upset and, and ungrateful because I say, God, look what I've done for you. I followed you. I give this to you. But you didn't do your part. Do you know what? God says in this world you will have trouble. That's what he promised us. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, Job understood that. He said, naked I came into this world. You give and take away. I will still praise your name. He did not have an entitled attitude. Even my kids, even my possessions, I wasn't owed any of that, so I will still praise you. So comparison and entitlement and unmet expectation, they will keep us from, a great, un, from having a grateful heart. But there are some truths that will help us become grateful. Are you ready to receive some good news today? Are you ready for the good stuff? There are some truths that will help us become grateful and somebody needs to hear this just as bad as I did. We serve a God, listen in, some of you need this as I did. We serve a God who can turn any situation and use it for the good. We serve a God when the enemy comes and he wants to mess up our life. He wants to test us. He wants to destroy us. We serve a God who doesn't leave us there. We serve a God who, and look at Romans 8.28, we know that in all things, God works for the good to those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? There are times this past year where I confess to you, I wanted to say it, but I needed other people to speak that over my life because I didn't know if I believed it anymore. I believed it, but I didn't know if I believed it. We serve a God who can take your situation and turn it for the good, all things. Yes, that broken relationship. Yes, that loss. He can use it for the good. He may not have caused it, but he can use it if we let him. And the second thing, I, I tell you, this did not actually resonate with me. I don't know, maybe brokenness makes you wiser and grows you up a little bit. And I've been through quite a bit of brokenness re recently, so I feel like I'm learning all kinds of things. But people used to say this in church, and I'd be like, I don't relate. I relate now. There is more 
to this life than just this life. When all we can see is right here, when all I can see is my circumstances, when all I can see and I'm living in here, I forget there's more going on up here. I forget that no matter what I go through in this life, as a believer, being saved by the blood of Jesus, I have hope, I have eternity, and it, it may be hard here, but one day, one day it will be worth it. And how can I go through that? Hebrews 12, 2, he says we fix our eyes on Jesus. How do we get out of here? How do we get out of our circumstance? How do we look here? We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There was nothing joyful about being pierced. There was nothing joyful about being hung on the cross or beaten. But he knew if he endured what it would bring, and that was the joy. You and I were the joy. Eternity was the joy. So that's how we can fix our eyes on Jesus and realize this life, is not just about this life. I have hope, you have strength, we're not alone and it's not over. Everything that we have, this very breath, is a gift. We need to rethink gratitude. Job understood. So he could say, God is still good, even when life is not. God is still good, even when life is not. I want to pray something over you right now. If everybody in this room would just, maybe if you'd be willing to turn your hands up. I believe, I believe that there is many, many people in here who you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have gone through some trials. You have gone through some pain. And you want to, I believe that you want to praise God, but you're struggling. You're struggling to see the good. You're struggling to praise him. And I'm just going to pray something over here, over you, and I pray that you receive it. Psalms 34 says, I will exalt the Lord at all times. Can you say at all times? I will exalt the Lord at all times. Yes, when I'm broken. Yes, when I'm disappointed. Yes, when I'm in sorrow. I will exalt you, Lord. His praise will always be on my lips. Say always be on my lips. Lord, we declare that we are going to praise you in the good and the bad. My soul will boast in the Lord. God, may we never, every heart in here, maybe we never stop testifying of your goodness. May the praise that comes out of broken situations bless and be a shining light and a testimony to this world, God. May we never stop boasting in you. God's word says, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. God, I pray over every person and every heart in this room. Heal the broken places. Lord, as they surrender disappointments, as they surrender not so picture perfect situations, as they surrender it to you, Lord, would we choose to be grateful? Would we honor you even when we're disappointed, Lord? I pray for healing. I pray for joy. I pray that out of this place today comes undescribable joy and healing and blessing. And there are testimonies and life change because of this. Bring encouragement. Bring hope. Restore somebody's faith today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.